It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And right now, without further ado, chomping on the bit to tell us about the old cowboys. Here's Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Hello, partner. It's a good day. <laughs> For what? <laughs> For staying in the house. There you go. Because it's raining. <laughs> it is raining. What's going on in your world? Well, just had number 13 grandchild yesterday. And who is the daughter? Alyssa. Terry. Hello, Alyssa. How are you? What's the name of the little one? Cooper Henry Terry. It sounds like a steel Cooper. driving man. <laughs> he may be. He's yeah. kind of stocky. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Grandpa. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, TV and, and uh, uh, Hollywood has glamorized the cowboy to where a lot of people really don't truly understand what the cowboy life was like. You know, so, can I stop you there for sure. a minute? And I think you'll agree with me. I think that Hollywood in its beginning form showed the dirt, showed the grime back in the 30s and 40s, but then all of a sudden along came the uh, 60s, 70s with like Bonanza. I mean, they were always clean and they were clean shaven and the Cartwrights would ride up to the camera and look like they were off the cover of a fashion magazine. That's not really what it was like. Well, you just wait till I tell you some of these things. <laughs> and you'll, you're actually more than what you're saying. So. All right. Okay, I'm going this is a letter uh, sent uh, to the owner of uh, a ranch. Okay. okay. It right. says, Dear Sir, yes. began the report of a ranch hand to his absentee employer back east. We have branded 800 calves this roundup. We have made some hay. Potatoes is a fair crop. That Englishman you left in charge at the other camp got too fresh, and we had to kill the son of a gun. It's not what's in the book. I know it's not. <laughs> Nothing much has happened since you left. Yours truly, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and you censored it. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, yes. Anyway. Why so, is your face red? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, even during this brief heyday, which lasted really not that long, between the end of the Civil War and about the mid-1880s, uh, the number of cowboys who rode the cattle trails across the Great Plains really was no more than about 40,000. Now, that may sound like a lot or not enough. I don't know. Yeah. But they lived by a code. Uh, they performed these brutal jobs, uh, putting themselves against the cattle, the land. And they were surprisingly young. And their average age was only 24. But as you've seen, cowboys, they get old pretty fast in the saddle. Oh, absolutely. After years of being out in the sunshine. And, yep. Uh, I mean, a lot of them only lasted maybe five or six or seven years. A lot of them looked like Wilford Brimley, and they were only 18 years old. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in some ways, the Cowboys were a pretty mixed lot. About one in every six or seven was Mexican. Uh, a similar proportion were black people. Yep. Uh, but they'd learned how to ride and rope uh, when they served as slaves in, on Texas ranches. Absolutely. And there were even some Indians yep. that were Cowboys. Yep. 
So, anyway, um, you know, and the, some of the guys were what we'd call a saddle bum. You know, they'd take advantage of the custom of offering food and tobacco to anybody who happened to show up at the ranch. Rode the grub line. Yeah, and there were even a few sailors that traded the sea for the plains. You know, and there was, well, never mind. I don't want to take your time. There was a movie about that, as a matter of fact. Okay. Yeah, yeah so... But anyway, you know, the term cowboy, they're really, really not sure where that came from. Uh, they may have come from uh, Texas, where bandits stole cattle from Mexicans. And after the Civil War, uh, uh, some of them came west to tend cattle. But the term cowboy, they're really not sure where that yeah. really came from. So, But, you know, in performing that chore, the cowboy's most useful instrument was, of course, the horse. Absolutely. Now... <clears throat> You know, distances on the range were too great for a pedestrian, and without horses, it would have been impossible to round up and drive millions of cattle over the plains. Can you imagine somebody on foot trying to move those unruly, absolutely <laughs> godforsaken longhorn cattle? You know, I've chased cows on foot, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the act of sitting high in the saddle gave the cowboy a kind of a sense of majesty and power, and, and most cowboys, in their judgment, said that a man afoot is no man at all. That's right. And and uh, a cowpuncher named Joe once went so far as to admit that uh, a dismounted cowboy was just a plain, bow-legged human who smelled very horsey at times, slept in his underwear, and was subject to boils. So <laughs> I didn't know I had video cameras in here. <laughs> well, they can't smell anything. <laughs> anyway, oh, you know, the uh, second tool that was indispensable for the cowboy was, of course, uh, the rope or yep. the lariat. Now, a Introduced rope. by the Spanish vaqueros. Yes, exactly. Yep. Uh, you know, you could rope a cow. Uh, you could rope their hooves, their their legs. You could a hundred and forty pound cowboy could capture a thousand pound animal. Uh, it could be transformed into an instant corral when it was stretched by several men. It be, could be used as a hobble to keep a horse from straying away at night. Uh, and hitched around a saddle horn, a lariat served to pull a lot of cows out of bogs. And uh, not least in the legend of the West, uh, a rope could be looped into a noose to serve as quick justice uh, when someone was caught in the unforgivable sin of stealing a horse. That's right. That was worse than stealing a horse. You know, a cow. that really, when did that go out as far as there was an automatic punishment of the death penalty when you stole a horse? When you did that? I, you know, I don't know for sure. That's I'm your homework had assignment. To be, had to be the late 1800s. Okay. So, and then, of course, another proud possession was the gun. Now, it was not always the celebrated colt. In fact, when a cowboy went hunting for antelope or jackrabbits, he was more than likely to leave the revolver back at the bunkhouse. You and know, and quite frankly, they were the poorest shots in the <laughs> West. Were, were, and if they were going to go hunting, they carried a rifle or a shotgun. But the colt was, you know, it was handy if you had to kill a rattlesnake, yeah. uh, if you had to finish off a horse that had a broken leg, or uh, turning aside a stampede that was heading out, you know. Yeah. So they used them. But, and there were, of course, occasions when cowboys used their guns against other humans. Uh, cowboys on the trail's end spree might succumb to both a little alcohol. Oh, come on. And a little desire to show off their manhood. Now, that does not, <laughs> I don't agree with that at all. I've never heard of any cowboys ever having an adult beverage. No, no, mostly uh Pop. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <Root right. beer. laughs> Pepsi, please. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the cattle trade also embraced a fair number of outright thugs who doubled as cowhands when they weren't rustling or working as enforcers for ranch owners. You're not painting a very good I picture. Know. And one such guy, his name was Sharbar, killed no fewer than 32 people. Oh, my goodness. But that was a little unusual. Uh, well, I hope. Yeah, yeah. 
But, you know, still a cowboy was certainly aware that guns gave him kind of an aura of manliness, and he weighed himself down with firearms when he wished to impress a girl. And, you know, pride in his image was also reflected in the clothing he wore. Yeah. A cowboy would spend as much as four months' wages on a hat yep. with a fancy sweatband. Still do. Yeah. <laughs> his boots were custom-made, yep. sometimes costing more than 50 bucks a pair. Yeah. Uh, heels, of course, were the high, narrow, and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, sloped so they'd sit in the stirrup firmly, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. The pointed toe made him so that they could get the foot in the stirrup easily and the slip out if he was thrown. Yep. However, the most common form of death among cowboys was to be dragged by a horse. Yeah, it was. And I, and I didn't realize that. But, yeah. you, know, you know, even in our day, you know, you've heard stories of people that... And then they always put happened. their spurs in the town hole. You know what that means? I don't. That's when they dropped the spurs down a little lower so that when they walked across the boardwalks, you'd hear oh. the scraping of the spurs and the jingling. Hear the, hear the jingle. True. Yeah, it's a true story. Yeah. Well, anyway, left his own devices with very little law. You know, the cowboy developed kind of an unwritten code of behavior that was understood by nearly everyone. A man's word was his bond. Mm-hmm. The end of a noose awaited a horse thief. Hospitality to visiting cowboys was a sacred obligation. Someone rode into your camp, you fed him. Uh, these were among the cardinal principles of the code, but there were a great many more. Now, some of the finer points dictated a, horseman, a horseman's etiquette. No one borrowed a horse from another man's string without his permission, Absolutely. which was rarely given. Yep. Because if you had a good horse, you didn't want somebody ruining it. No, I wouldn't want you on mine. <laughs> no. no. And one did not whip or kick a borrowed horse. No. Now, when two mounted cowboys approached each other on the trail... A friendly word was appropriate, but a wave of greeting was considered bad. Now, I didn't know that, but because it might spook a horse. It depends on what you waved yeah, at. I guess, you know. <laughs> now, if one man dismounted, the other did too, so they would meet on equal terms. A man on foot did not grab the bridle of a mounted man's horse, because that could be taken on an intrusion of the rider's control. Absolutely. So, probably yep. a good place to... See, but break. you saw a lot of that stuff in the movies, yeah. and they didn't do any research nope. on this. Nope. Yeah. I'm going to do a commercial while you're drinking your water. Okay. Or like in the Old West, they drank the sarsaparilla. <laughs> <laughs> Stand by Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Right across from the airport with Zach and the crew. Oh, boy, now's the time to upgrade your windows with the Western Windows. Save on your heating costs this winter. And check out all the great carpet right there. Do a lot of remodeling for the fall and the winter with all the family coming for Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything. Stop in at Minicasha Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Number to call, 878-2091. And now back to the old buckaroo. Here's old Dr. Cowboy. History. Uh, you know, other rules uh, govern kind of the rangeland housekeeping, just general rules. Yeah. For example, a cowboy was expected to close the pasture and corral gates behind him. Yeah. Uh, they were actually supposed to take their spurs off when they entered another man's house. Yeah. Um, Still do. Yeah. And on a roundup, a cowboy did not wait for his fellow hands to arrive before beginning a meal. He helped himself, began eating at once, so he would be out of the way when the other guys came in to eat. And go out to the herd while the other ones were yeah, taking a break. Yeah. Yep. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, 
which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yep. Now, one activity that did not submit to any restrictions was swearing. Mm. Now, I know this is going to be hard for you to believe. But Doggone it. <laughs> darn. You know, cowboy talk uh, uh, kind of was somewhere around one-third profanity, which was either directed at a horse or a cow. And uh, anyway, that's all I'm going to say about yeah, that. Yeah, but God, I think, forgives people that work with livestock because <laughs> they can be the dumbest. There's got to be some mind. forgiveness yeah. there. <laughs> Well, uh, anyway, uh, you know, and now in matters of money, most cowboys bound themselves to be trusting and trustworthy. Uh In fact, one North Dakota hand gave back part of his wages for digging post holes because he realized later that he had dug one of them too shallow. Are you kidding me? Now, here's something else. Now, at payoff time, bosses might dump sacks of money on the ground and leave them there left alone for days at a time until the boys came by to pick up their wages. Wow. Now, that's honesty. Yeah, it is. To a a fault. Yeah. Now, the Cowboys Code uh, observed special reverence for the ladies, and uh, it wasn't unusual for a a lonesome cowboy to end up at a rancher's home, ride for miles just to sit next to a a nice young lady uh, uh, in the rocking chair. Oh, you made that sound so pure. Oh, my goodness. We're going to move right along. Yeah, I'll bet you are. (laughs) Get on your horse. (laughs) Well, anyway, for all his faults, you know, the cowboy redeemed himself by the pride he took in his work. Uh, There's a guy named Ed Lemon, who knew every brand in the West. He handled more than a million cattle in his lifetime, and he set the record for the most cows, 900, cut out of a herd and branded in a single day. 900. Single day. How many people do you have working with? Well, he he had to have guys on the ground, right? Oh, man. Well, imagine Obviously. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, in the setting of the Western Ranch, the most uh, comfortless place of all was the bunkhouse where the hired hands lived. Now, this is where we're going to deviate from Hollywood just a little. I would imagine that they could have stood a little air freshener. (laughs) You'll be right when I get done with this. You know, typically it was a shack made from weatherboard or cottonwood logs. In some cases, the cowboys themselves put in board ceilings over a, a single main room, so one room. And always the bunkhouses were distinguished by their smell. Uh-huh, yeah. The yeah, aroma was a, now if you can, I can't imagine this, but was a composite of sweaty men, dry cow manure, old work boots, chewing tobacco plugs, the smoke from lamps that were burning coal oil, or perhaps even uh, the tallow rendered, rendered from the general supply of skunks that was around the ranches. Well, I remember when you had your office in Burley. I, I commented <laughs> how it smelled like that. <laughs> you better not tell my secretaries. <laughs> but, you know, there was a chronic look of untidiness around these places. Clothes were hung on the floor. 
as one historian uh, of the cowboy era said, so they wouldn't fall down and get lost. There you go. And amid the filth were some of the unwelcome guests. There's a cowboy by the name of Charlie. Uh, he recalled that his bunkhouse pals made an ironclad rule that whoever was caught picking lice off and throwing them on the floor without first killing them should pay a fine of 10 cents for each and every offense. Now, that's I have a, no comment there. <laughs> anyway, okay, so we'll just keep on moving here. Yeah, I wish you would. <laughs> you know, on the premises around the round house, you know, cowboy work often tend to be downright undignified, especially if it had to be done on foot. You know, if you were a cowboy, you expect to be on a horse. But yes, right. one particular cowboy had a three-week stretch uh, where he did nothing but gather dried cow manure for fires. Well, everybody's got to do something. Everybody's got to be somewhere. You know, now out on the range, you no know, cattle had to be watched and worried over to keep them healthy or even alive. Now, throughout the summer, for example, cows by the thousands had to be doctored for blowflies. Yeah. And these insects, uh, you know, laid their eggs right. uh, in open wounds, such as a fresh brand. Absolutely. And the eggs developed into screw worms, maggots about three-fourths of an inch long, which sometimes would actually uh, kill the animal. You're sure making it easy for people to want to <laughs> go to lunch. college to be a cowboy. <laughs> well, anyway, you know, the men carried bottles containing a powerful mixture of carbolic acid and axle grease, among other ingredients. That's right. And crude remedies occasionally turned out to be more lethal than the ailments. Now, one cowboy got orders to treat a bunch of cows suffering from a skin disease. Well, he did by dousing them with kerosene from a garden sprinkling can. And this was the standard cure. And it should have worked. But he set them on fire. But one cow ran through a branding fire that turned it into a living torch. The flaming cow fled back to the others and ignited the whole bunch. 20 head. You're not kidding, are you? No, I'm not kidding. I was joking, but head. it really happened. <laughs> it really happened. Oh, my so, goodness. You know, but that was the standard procedure. You used, uh, uh, you know. That uh, really is broiled beef. Yeah, cor- <laughs> you used kerosene. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, and then in the summertime, you know, the cattlemen had to keep a steady watch for fire. Uh, a blaze could sweep over entire counties, uh, killing cattle and wiping out the grass, uh, which we just had this summer, you know, Zeb, over here with yeah. some of the wild horses that sure. got. Uh, caught in that but you know to curb the fires cowboys got behind plows and made fire breaks uh, sets of furrows 75 to 200 feet apart uh, with the grass in between them purposely burned off and one guy estimated that in a single summer he had plowed 150 miles of fire breaks oh my goodness but you know again it's just something that had to be done yeah but you know if they'd let the cowboys and people in agriculture take care of things the way they should be we wouldn't have a lot of these problems yeah. We've got these so-called experts from back east. Yeah, that know all about it. Yeah. But, you know, in later days, the coming of windmills and barbed wire uh, largely eliminated any any need to move the cattle from range to range uh, during summer and winter. Yeah. But a rancher would fend off, fence off an area to keep the animals from wandering off and then provide them with an adequate supply of water from maybe a windmill pumped tank. Uh, but though the cowhands were saved a lot of hard driving, the wire presented a new set of duties. And now a whole lot of sorry things can happen to a fence, one old-timer said. Riders called pliers, they were called pliers, men, which, you know, is what the tool we used. But yeah. riders called pliers, men, went out to patrol the fences, equipped with a pouch full of staples, a roll of spare wire, and a tool that served as both nippers and hammer. And one man usually was signed uh, 10 to 15 miles of fence. 
Yeah, we're, we're almost getting, out of time here. I, yeah, so I'm thinking we'll just save some of the rest of this. You know, if you maybe want to. we ought to. We ought to get into the the food and some of that stuff next time. Okay, we can and do the, that. The old bunkhouse cookie. <laughs> Yeah, and we've talked about him a oh, little yeah. bit before. You Sometimes know. he would not qualify hygienically to get a job downtown. <laughs> and the old uh, picture of the uh, horse reaching over to grab a biscuit, Yeah, that never happened. Really? Horses did not get close to the to the cook. Really? Oh, no. Oh. That was uh, that was one of the cardinal sins on a dr- cattle drive. Your horse does not come anywhere near the, uh, the cook or what he's doing. Absolutely. Well, so. you've got this figured out, don't you? I, I do. I, yeah. I would love to have gone back there so, yeah, well, for a little while. We can build a time machine and send you back to the 1860s. I want to stay in the ranch house, not the bunkhouse. You know, yeah, that's really interesting what you said. But the only show that I can recall that was made in the 60s, as a matter of fact, that I thought was very close to realism with the clothing and what they did was the series Rawhide. They oh, came yeah. pretty close to what actually happened. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Rawhide. Yeah. I mean, Clint Eastwood and those guys, yeah. they I felt like they did a good job. And then there was another movie that was made called The Culpepper Cattle Company. Yes. And that was very realistic with the period clothing and the saddles and now, everything. Now, wasn't that the one where they used the young boys? Was that the one where they used the young boys as uh, No, that's, that's John Wayne and the Cowboys. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. John Wayne and the Cowboys. Yeah. Anyway, uh, appreciate it. We'll have more on this next week. I think so. I've got more. Yeah, we can cover okay, some more on good. this. Good. And what about the terminology on the Indians? I'm sure you've got that for us today, don't you? Uh, we'll just put that on the back burner for a little while longer. <laughs> I love putting you on the spot. One of these days. Okay. <laughs> Dr. History brought to you by Minicash Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley, right across from the airport, and Zach and the crew serving you. And the number to call, 878-2091. Dr. History, you did an outstanding job today. Thank you, Zeb. You have a good day. Now, are you going to go uh, see the grand, the new grandbaby? Held that baby last night. Really? We were there, yep. Does he have your resemblance? No, he's good looking. (laughs) I can't top that line. (laughs) He's good looking. Hey, real quick, what about our friends over in China? Are they still listening? They are still listening. I've actually uh, heard from some people in Sweden, England, and Costa Rica. Really? Uh, yeah, so we're getting some listeners really still from all over the world. And we haven't been sued yet. Not yet. Okay. We're still on the air. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Appreciate you it. Bet. God bless.